Welcome to the Mile 99 interview with your host, Jessica Harris, Mike Turner, and Greg Larkin. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the trails. See you out there. See you there. And we're live. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 interview is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our running community, share some stories, successes, failures, and your deepest running secrets. This is also the place to get the latest in local race news and find out what's going on in our community. We record live on Zoom and Facebook, one take, no breaks. And unlike what you say on your group runs, what is here is on the record. Tonight, I'm joined by my co-host, Greg Larkin. Mike Turner is far, far away somewhere exploring Europe. Uh, we can't wait to hear stories from him pacing Tahoe 200 with Jason Davis and his recent travels. And Greg is back. Welcome back. Greg, how you doing? Good, thanks. Yep, it's been a few weeks or a month or something. Um, did a few things in the interim, finished TRT. Very happy about that. Um, and then immediately went on a driving road trip for three weeks, like literally the day after. So I wouldn't recommend that necessarily, but it worked. <laughs> it was just the way we had to schedule things this year. And um, yeah, got out around, saw some national parks, got back. And yeah, I'm just kind of enjoying doing some different stuff now. I'm actually trying paddle boarding. Um, so that's kind of fun and a new thing for me because I'm not really a water person. Um, so I'm getting used to that concept. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I was just, I mean, huge congratulations for Tahoe, uh, for TRT 100. Thanks. Oh, and thank you for being at the finish line there. <laughs> of course. Mile 99 was all over that course. Um, that was mm. like, it seemed like so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was I, uh, Mike ago. got me through Tunnel Creek many times too. So that man, he helped a lot of people. Um, but yeah, that was really great. Congratulations, Greg. I know being a having a small child in the house and doing all that extra stuff, finishing those big races is harder. So yeah. <laughs> congratulations. Thanks. Um, what did I do? Uh, well, I just DNF'd Waldo 100K again, but I love it. I get 50K almost every time. Um, you know what? Last year I DNF'd it. I got in and I was like, I'm not even going to attempt it. And I like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to go and see how far I get. I'm not going to be an inconvenience. I'm not going to injure myself, but like, I'm not going to miss something just because I don't think I can finish it anymore. Um, I will one day and it'll be great. And my kids were there and my co-parent was there. Who's my best friend. And I saw lots of people. It's like some Auburn, it's like, there's so many Auburn people there. You go like, did I even leave? What, what, why? <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, and now my kids were starting the soccer and swim and martial arts and school starts tomorrow. Um, so yeah, really, really busy season of life. Um, yeah, super thankful, super, super thankful. Also, Greg, Mike, and myself are very thankful for all our Patreons. We did have some new Patreons come through, Doug, Bruce, Matthew, and Jason. Can you believe it? Thank you guys so much for your support. Um, anyone who's watching, if you are on our Patreon, you're always welcome to stay for our after show. We try to slide some discounts for you. We have a... Um, from Jesse Ellis, we have a discount code to send out to all our Patreons. So um, thanks for just keeping the lights on around here, guys. We really appreciate you guys. We also have our Venmo, which is at the mile 99 interview. If you guys just like a one-time donation, we appreciate that as well. We're raising up money to get some outdoor equipment. So we're going to have some pretty cool live episodes coming that sound a lot better. So we're really excited about that. Um, yeah, I think that's all for our Mile 99 news. Greg, do you have some community news? Yeah, I mean, um, there's still races going on for sure. It's pretty much year round, right? So um, we're kind of getting towards, you know, the end of, uh, not the end, or maybe in this local area towards like the major races. You know, uh, we obviously have a large race coming in November, though, RDL. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, more and more as we get there. Um but there's lots of other races uh, going around, you know, there's half marathons like urban cow. And I just remembered over the last week or so, and I may even do this one, the Yuba gold 50 K up in the Nevada city area with our friend uh, Ben Mitchell as the race director up there. 
Uh, I've not been on that course, but I hear it's amazing and beautiful. So I'm really tempted to sign up for that. Um, and uh, that, that may happen. I may be good for one more race this year. Um, <laughs> they just had a marathon in Kauai and also a 50 miler, I guess, or not, not the marathon is coming. Uh, the, the 50 miler, I guess, was just this past weekend or whatever. Although it's a little bit tempered by some of what's been going on this uh, last couple of days out on the various islands in Hawaii. So we hope that they're able to um, get the wildfires under control. And uh, we're very familiar with that whole thing here. So I'm sure our hearts go out to all of them there on the impact. Um, but there will hopefully be some uh, additional races coming up um, out there. If you happen to be in Kauai in early September. Um, and uh, yeah, so RDL, obviously, November 4th, uh, Run the Parkway, um, and then CIM um, also coming up uh, in December. So uh, there's a whole sprinkling of different uh, races coming up. Um, we'll talk about more of them, I think, as we kind of get closer to some of them, but that gives you a little bit of an overview. And uh, yeah, we're going to be looking forward to going all the way through December, I think. And one other quick thing, uh, Tamalpa Headlands 50K, our friends uh, Beth Lang, Sherry Winter, uh, they're organizing a camp out for that uh, coming up uh, August 18th through 20th. So that's coming right up. So if you're friends with them or you see them in groups on uh, the various ultra running groups on Facebook, uh, shoot them a direct message if you're interested in uh, connecting with them for a great weekend of camping out, uh, out on the headlands and running a 50K. Yeah. And I, you know, what I really like, um, is the end of our year here, like November, December, there's a lot of charity runs. Mm. So for me, my mileage isn't up during that. I'm busy, but like anyone can do a 5k or a 10k that goes to a food bank or, you know, something that you, you support in the area. We have a lot of them from grass Valley all the way to Sacramento. And we yeah. should, we're going to be talking a lot about that. Like run to feed the hungry. It's massive right. for and sure. A good, Usually it's not too bad of weather either. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Greg, keeping us all updated. Uh, tonight, we have a very detailed, packed, behind-the-scenes look into Badwater 135 with local RD, Julie Fingar. Julie has been on our interview multiple times, including her Get to Know the RD for episode 40 and multiple yeah. previous briefings for Rio del Lago and Way Too Cool 50K. This year, Julie raced her second Badwater 135, improving her 2022 time by way over three hours. We also brought her crew on as Badwater is a race that does not provide course support. That's crazy. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. Uh, your crew is your lifeline for food, water, ice, medical, mental stability, and more. Uh, let's welcome the whole crew to the interview by first introducing Julie. Welcome back, Julie Fingar. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having us on here. And uh, we're excited to share about Badwater and kind of get some behind the scenes, never heard before, except between maybe the four, four of us uh, stories. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of that around Badwater 135. There's not a ton of people who race it each year, between 100 and 105 people get in each year um, and it races, it's a nonstop race of 135 miles, 217 kilometers from Death Valley, which I think is like sea level, to Mount Whitney. Um, it is from their website, the most demanding and extreme running race offered anywhere on the planet. It's also the 135 mile world championship. Um, it, the course covers three mountain ranges for a total of 14,600 feet of cumulative vertical ascent and 6,100 feet of cumulative descent. So people who see those very cool pictures of it being very flat, running on the side of the road, there is quite a bit of climbing. In our post show, we're going to show um, the map of it. And you guys can really see the, the back half of the race is so loaded um, with some proper climbs in the, in the front half as well. Um, uh, for Badwater, two-thirds of the pool are rookies is what I see. And one third are veterans who've run the race before. There's extensive qualifying standards and it is an invitational only race. So there's no wait list. There's no um, publicized wait list. Um, there's no 
it's the events live, click a button and pay um, and you're in. It is invitational only. There are a few guaranteed spots, which I thought were pretty cool. Um, for qualified runners who donate $8,000, they uh, to either Challenge Athletes Foundation or the Bald Head Island Conservancy. Um, if you're qualified, you do that. You have to still do a pretty lengthy process. You can get a guaranteed spot with that contribution. Then the winners of a few other Badwater races get in, along with the winners from Angeles Crest 100, uh, Spartanathon, Swiss Alps 100, UTMB, Western States 100. So some big races that you can kind of um, get get your way into one, 135. Um, some rules and regs for Badwater 135. I just pulled a couple. Julie and the crew, if you want to add any um, it's a, it's an extensive race because it is serious what you're doing. Um, and it is, seems very demanding. Um, so each runner has two to four crew members, uh, running must always be single file on the far left of the road or off the left side of the road facing traffic. So all those, those people aren't, aren't just trying to run on the white line to save some heat. It, that is a regulation. Um, does anyone want to talk to me? Maybe, Julie, you want to talk to me and our audience about Biffy bags. What's the regulation on Biffy bags and what are they? Oh, gosh. You know what? I'm going to actually go right to Brian on the Biffy bag because in 2022, the first year that I ran it, um, and... I, we could not figure out how to use a Biffy bag. So of course, you know, you go to YouTube and you can like figure out how to make a rocket for goodness sakes. But um, anyway, Brian, um, Brian is the master on Biffy bags. So Brian, you could talk about Biffy bags. <laughs> Biffy bag master. What a great honor. Wow. What a great honor. Well, um, <laughs> I, I have the discreet honor of attempting the Biffy bag and the crew. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll give everybody kind of like the uh, the best practices. Number one, you should read the instructions. Number two, practice before you go out and try it. Um, there are some physics, and you can imagine the position you have to be in to be able to use this. Try it at home before you're out, 40 hours sleep deprivation. So try it out before you do it. What are they um, trying out? What is a Biffy bag? Yeah. Basically what it is, it's a large... Um, garbage bag that has a little bit of like absorbent in it and everything goes into this absorbent area. You seal it off. I mean, it seals off really nice. Um, it's a great, great product, but try it out when you're fresh, clean, and you can try it out in the comfort of your own home, not worrying about critters in the middle of the desert. Awesome. So unlike- I think it needs to be... Yeah, I think I'm it needs like, to be said that it's a portable latrine. There you go, Chris. Yeah, yes, yep. what it is. Yes. The poop bag. Um, for for those that have run ultras and and other races in general, where you can, um, you know, take care of your business out in nature, um, due to you know parks regulations protocols, uh, the national uh, park. For service, um, Biffy bags are a requirement for each participant. Um, you have to have eight of those Biffy bags when you go to runner check-in. Um, so you just cannot just drop your shorts and just go out there per se. Um, you must use the Biffy bag. So now Biffy bag one hundred and one. Biffy bag one hundred and one. Um, you must wear OSHA class three high visibility reflective clothing at all times during the event. That's a thing. You guys did it right. <laughs> and yes. why is that? Even during the day, why do you need to do that? Uh, well, the, the Death Valley Highway, the highway itself, like there is other traffic that can come through. So this is not a closed um road by any means. Now, certainly in the middle of the July when this race is staged, uh, Melissa showing that up there, um, you know, it, it, it's for safety, number one. Safety is the number one priority. And uh, Chris Kosman, the RD of Adventure Corps, the chief adventure officer, um, you know, really, really takes safety 
very seriously and, um, you know, as it should be. And as a fellow race director, obviously that is like the number one thing to keep us as runners safe and our team safe and the volunteers and everybody else out there. So again, the roads open to traffic and, and whatnot. And so these are uh, garments that are very, very visible uh, during the day and especially in the nighttime. I see. Uh, it also says along with that is competitors must wear front and rear blinky lights whenever they are outside of the motor vehicle during nighttime. Oh, no, it says all crew members, pacers and competitors. So everyone has to wear blinky lights along with that safety, right? Yes. From 5 a.m. to, uh, well, so from sunset darkness, quote unquote, um, until about 5 a.m., uh, I believe it is until sunrise. Um, yeah, that's a requirement for, for anybody out there. And they also have like some common sense things that uh, you know, like how to exit the vehicle. I mean, when you, when you said he's very, I can tell that now, like, I don't know him, but when I was reading all the rules and regs, I was like, yeah, he's really like, he's not going to leave a stone unturned. This is how you get out of the car. You, this is how you pull over on the side of the road. So um, we love yeah. that. Love the communication too. <laughs> tell me what to do. Right. Yeah. Uh, something interesting that was on the rules and regs is that competitors may not wear so-called super shoes. Uh, with soles thicker than 40 millimeters or that contain more than one carbon plate, you can't wear any prototypes or shoes that are not on mass sales are not allowed. And that is really interesting to me. Um, another thing that's really interesting to me, and I, it's humorous that they've had to mention it, but they said nudity is specifically not allowed. <laughs> so it's in there. You can't be naked. Um, each competitor is strongly encouraged to bring a nurse, EMT, MD, or other first responder or medical professional on his or her support team. Was any of your crew that? No, uh, not directly. Ready up with someone <laughs> uh, indirectly. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm good with mandates. I, I think all of us are savvy enough. <laughs> To, to know what to do for first aid situations, gratefully. So, yeah. So we got some of the nitty gritty for Badwater out of the way. I mean, there's so much. If We'll drop the link for Badwater site. It has all the rules and regs on there, even if you're not competing. It is extensive and impressive. Um, qualifying how to, the application process is also interesting. Um, that is also all available on their website. Uh, for each of the Badwater events as well. So I thought that was really nice setup website. And so now we're going to get into Julie. This is your second time. So we're going to talk about your motivation this year, your motivation of ever thinking about doing it. Um, you let us know that the um, seed was planted in your head in the early 2000s. Who was it planted by? So that, that yes. So Badwater um, was really never on my radar. And, um, uh, my first ultra was 1999. So I've been in the sport for quite some time now, um, not to age myself, but, uh, my dad is the one in the early two thousands that would hop online and see Dean Carnassus running with all white garments on down this lonesome highway and his shoes were melting and he thought this was like <laughs> yeah, yeah and this was so funny and this was so great and uh this was you know kind of my infancy uh, years and in, into ultra running itself and 100 milers specifically and he thought this would be a grandiose idea if i did this race called badwater so he would constantly no joke send me links, send me videos, send me um, any articles he'd find in any newspapers. And this guy is super resourceful, by the way, my dad. So um, it just kind of morphed into this just hilarious conversation of I'm not interested right now, dad. That's like crazy. Why would anybody want to run down this highway in 120 degrees and like your shoes are melting? Like this sounds terrible. Like I, I'm really want to be on a trail and in nature and all that kind of jazz. And, um, you know, but he kept at it over the years. And, um, at the time I, I was very into doing Western States and Angeles crust and other hundred bilers. Um, but again, it was always in the back of my head and somehow I would always 
every July kind of kind of look at like who was running Badwater and what was going on. And, you know, indirectly, I didn't know for sure if that would ever lead to something. But fast forward to 2020 and uh, my good friend Leslie Carboni was in the race along with Brian Medley. And uh, this was the pandemic year, of course, but um, they both were training for it. And I was asked to be on Leslie's crew team to pace and, and crew her. And um, I, of course, said yes and humbled and honored. And okay, this is my chance, right? I don't have to do Badwater myself, but I can like go be a part of the team and like see all this stuff. And maybe that will like suffice for my dad and suffice for myself. So um, obviously the race got canceled in 2020. And so all those participants were rolled over to 21. And so in 21, I got the opportunity to go with Leslie um, and, and Brian was competing as well. And um, yeah, I, I, literally had no expectations other than to go help my good friends and be of service and like enjoy the community and what this race had to offer. And um, if you would have asked me prior to going with Leslie, if I had any inclination of like really wanting or signing up to do the race, I probably would have told you no, but about 40 miles into crewing and pacing Leslie in 2021, um, the wheels were already turning in my head and I'm like, I have to be part of this circus. This is like the craziest, most epic, like thing. I can't even explain it to my friends. They're going to like, think I'm not telling the truth. And, um, so yeah, by the time uh, Leslie finished and, and did amazing, um, in 21, um, I was already like looking at the qualifications and seeing what I had to do. Uh, in, in addition to what I'd already, you know, done um, in order to be eligible just to apply. So, um, you know, it was that whole experience of being there and until you <laughs> go and, and be a part of it, um, you know, words, you really honestly can't do it justice. So, um, yeah, so I applied for 2022 and, and uh, gratefully was accepted and uh, ran my first one in 2022. And then just, um, you know, not 30 days ago, completed my second one in 2023. So that that's that's how it all began. And so never say never <laughs> for those of you out there that I'll never do that because that might not be the case. Just run enough races, you'll have to find something new. <laughs> it took you 20 years and you're like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you I, know I, what? Yeah, go ahead. As you, as you talked about, like, um, seeing it crewing and pacing for the event, then you're like, I can do that. And I, I feel like we, not a lot of us have that experience at Badwater, but we do have that experience in trail running in general. Like you go and volunteer for a hundred and you see it and you're like, I can do that. And so that being involved in more than just running does really get you motivated. And you see like, if that, I'm very similar size to that person. I could do that. Or I, you know what? We ran the same 50K that one time and now they're doing it. I think your story is very, um, you see it and you're like, yeah, I can do this. Maybe not all of us for Badwater 135, but for other things, 5Ks all the way to 100 milers, 130, 200 milers are the new thing, you know, Julie, you know, what's going on? Um, so for <laughs> 20... <laughs> for 2022, um, you let us know that by mile seven out of 135, it was not going well. What happened? Yeah, so I think with any first time race, whether it's honestly a 5K or all the way up to an ultra marathon, um, and then, you know, uh, 200, 250 milers, 300 milers, um, you know, there's this element there's a, there's this anxiety and, and this overwhelming feeling that no matter how many races you've done, how many work presentations you've given, um, how many times, you know, you've, you've been, you know, in the, in the midst of, of despair, um, you just kind of don't know what you're in for. And, you know, as much as meticulously you train and prepare, um, without ever having done, you know, the race itself now being a part of the crew and, and whatnot, I, I, I understood and, and had a feel for it, but 
you know, lacing up my own shoes and getting ready to tackle the 135 miles was a whole different beast. And so by mile seven, I was just puking. I couldn't hold down food. And, you know, honestly, the anxiety and the nerves got the best of me. And um, I, I, you know, this is 23 years of doing ultras. And I really thought that not that I had it nailed, mastered, but that it wouldn't bother me as much as it did. And it did. And it got me. And so when that happened, basically fast forward, the entire race was like just complete damage control. Um, you know, really trying to obviously get fluid and get hydration and get food in, um, without spitting it right back up, which was basically what I was doing for a hundred miles plus. And, um, so it, it was, uh, not a real fun process for me personally, just because I was trying to manage all these things that were coming up. And, um, when your body is depleted for most of you, you know, when you're running these long distance races, um, you have no energy in your tank and, and not only physically, but mentally. And so you're like on fumes and you're trying to move this machine of yours and not let alone it's 115, 20 degrees, um, in the middle of July and, and, you know, get to this place called the Whitney portal and you don't know how you're going to get there and you hope you're going to get there and survive and not fall apart. But, um, you know, in 2022, my crew, my team that year, um, Brian was a part of that team. Um, and, uh, Angie, Leslie and Jenny were, were on my 2022 team. Um, they were the reason I got to that finish line because deep down, um, I never said I was going to quit or give up, but I, my, my body said otherwise. And so it was really a matter of them kind of meshing together, figuring out problem solving for me. Cause I couldn't problem solve worth, you know, worth a dime and, um, um, just figuring out how to keep one foot in front of the other and keep my body upright and my head straight on, which it was not, um, and get to the finish line. So, um, I was grateful and, um, you know, truly, truly was a team effort that year, um, as it is every year, but really in 2022, um, making it to the finish line, um, in one piece was just, just, a a crazy, crazy feat. So, um, at the end of that race and, and let me preface this by saying, I thought 2022 was going to be a one hit wonder, like a total eighties hit, like it's on the charts, it hits the number one and it's off. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to be done with this race and move on to something else. And heck no. Um, I was already probably seconds before I finished in 2022 thinking of like, Oh, I'm totally going back in 23. I have to do this differently. I have to feel better. Like I'm, I'm going to have a better experience and, and ultimately too, with your crew, with your team, as you've talked about, um, Jessica, um, it, it really is like a family. They call it the Badwater family and Chris Kosman, the uh, race director really, really, really does a great job of, um, really showcasing that and making you feel a part of that. So, um, anyway, 2023 there, there, here we, here we come. It's not very often that I think people cross the line and say, I can do better in that moment. It's like people say, I'm never doing it again. And then you see them the next day and say, okay, I'm going to do that again. You were like, no, I can do, I can do that better through mental fatigue, through everything. And Brian, I just wanted to put you on the spot for a minute, having paced or I'm not sure exactly what you did, but having been through both of those experiences, how does without jumping too far ahead, how does 2022 compare to this year? It was, it was night and day. <laughs> it was night and day. So just to provide some context, I'm not only a crew member, but I'm, I'm Julie's brother-in-law. So I have to be careful what I say. Um, it was, it was absolutely night and day. I saw the confidence, um, the experience of doing the first one and the, the, the mental part, but also the physical and the plan in terms of what she was going to accomplish. So truly like night and day. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, because even with, like she said, the 23 years of running ultras, this one is just different. And you can have all those tools, but to really do it and then approach it the next year with that experience. I mean, she had a three hour PR, so I think it worked. But it's, yeah, that thanks for the input, Brian. That's pretty amazing. And uh, we're going to get right into that uh, and all of the other details about prepping for this year and the execution of that. But we just want to take one minute here and thank our sponsor, Catula, for uh, sponsoring us uh, as a podcast and for this episode. And I personally just want to thank them for their instigator product because I used that uh, for the first time at TRT. And uh, we had a lot of recommendations from the race director and other people to use gators on this course due to all of the decomposed granite. And I got to say, even though I was way slower than I was when I first did this race a few years back, I think I came out of it in much better shape. I had one small blister on my foot and everything else was fine. Um, and I do really attribute that to uh, some of the great construction they have, um, you know, with their nylon uppers and the closure. I was able to take my shoes off, clean my feet, didn't have to remove the gator. They've got the nice incept strap that's guaranteed for a thousand miles. Uh, so now I'm down to, uh, let's see, I've put 102 miles on it so far because I literally used them I know that you're not supposed to do this. I started using them on race day. Big no-no. <laughs> I should know this from years and years of racing my whole life in various sports, but I did it. I'm sorry. I won't do it again, <laughs> but they held up and they were amazing. And you just, you used them, right? Also, Jessica? Yeah. So totally different environment, right? So I was in Oregon on soft forest floors with a lot of dried pine needles and um, it was a game changer. I mean, I always get stuff in my socks. I just thought that was part of it. Um, it wasn't until Mike was like, you don't have to live life like that. <laughs> um, I didn't have one pine needle get in my, sh that's never happened. That's literally never happened to me. I had no pine needles in my socks. When I took off the gator, the only part of my foot that was dirty was the part that the gator was on. And it was a seasonably warm comfortable year at Waldo. We had like a high of 75. So we were sweating, we were running, you know, and my feet were never overly hot from that extra layer on it, which I thought was really impressive. And I did yeah. a little couch to 50 K and it was great in them. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. Catula also, it's a, it's a great little grassroots company based in Flagstaff, Arizona, um, right near the grand Canyon. So uh, definitely check them out. Um, they're also very much focused on uh, giving back through their philanthropy program. I'm sure you can learn all about that on your, on their website. Um, and they are also offering a free shipping discount code um, that you order um, by hearing about them from us. So uh, this will be expedited shipping as well. And the discount code is the mile nine, nine. So uh, if you order from them, uh, apply that discount code on their website and uh yeah, enjoy their products. I've also been a longtime user of their micro spikes uh, when I used to live in a snowy, icy uh, part of the country. So uh, great stuff. I highly recommend them. Um, I've used them for many years. So thank you, Katula. And uh, yeah, let's get back uh, to the interview here and learn more about uh, what some of the lead up to um, this year's Badwater was. Uh, we had a number of people from the local community, Julie, you, Martin Sango, Ray Sanchez. It was really interesting kind of like seeing bits and pieces of training from all of you and then kind of uh, just seeing the success down there. So I think everybody kind of had it pretty well dialed, but can you go into some of the... Um, the things that you might have had to do change a little bit this year, fueling, um, how you approach the runs. I see you were doing some pretty serious treadmill runs. Like when did you start the process and, and how did the training evolve all the way up to race day? Um, yeah. So, um, and Brian Medley also ran his second bad water this year mm. too, from Folsom as well, but, Great. um, I um, uh, yeah, so I, I truly started the process um, literally when I crossed the finish line at 2022, um, you know, really kind of getting a sort of like a game plan. And this was before I even applied for 23, but it was like that much of, uh, a determination and, 
you know, perseverance, if you will, on my end to want to make these adjustments from 2022 and what I learned there um, and what I knew I needed to do differently. So I really started kind of kicked it off in early January. And um, I looked at, again, the, the three biggest lessons that I was taught in 2022 um, for 23. And, and let me also say too, um, being an endurance coach for a long time as well, there's no like one way to train for any race per se. There's a number of ways to skin the cat and you have to find and know what works best for you. Um, and so with, with my experience and just kind of how knowing what I wanted to improve upon, um, again, I started this kind of crusade in January and there were a couple of, um, virtual treadmill races that 50 K a 42 miler, well, two 50 Ks and a 42 miler that I knew that even though they sounded maybe somewhat horrible and miserable, but they were going to help me um, work on my leg speed, work on my turnover, which is something that uh, in 23, if I were to get in, this is January pre acceptance, um, for the race, but I was willing to, you know, get started right away and know that if I could improve, um, my, my turnover, my tempo legs per se, it would make that first 50, 52 miles of bad water. Um, much more manageable. So uh, um, just a little context, Badwater starts in waves. There's three waves. Um, this year it was 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and 10 p.m. And I was in that 10 p.m. wave uh, along with Ray Sanchez. And um, you get seated according to um, basically your 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 resume per se. And so in that last wave at 10 p.m., uh, you need to run that first 50, it's, it's, a, it's a little over 50 miles, but 50 miles to make that first checkpoint cutoff. Um, last year it was under 11, sub 11 hours. This year it was 12 hours um, for my wave. And so if you do the math and figure 50 miles, add in that's 110, 111 degrees still at 10 o'clock at night, even though the sun is down it doesn't feel that much cooler um, and, and all the other elements that bad water is uh, it's a really hard thing to do. Um, and so again, being in that wave and knowing that I was going to be in that wave three uh, I wanted to make sure that, that my running legs were, you know, as comfortable and confident as possible. So hence, that's why I did those couple treadmill runs leading up. So it held me accountable. And I knew that, um, you know, it was a race per se, and there were results and somebody checking in. So, um, I was going to do that. Um, you know, and I also mixed in obviously some long trail, uh, runs as well as a hundred K race, um, and doing, you know, a distance greater than hundred K several times going down to Mount Diablo, um, also running a six hour, track race in Florida, um, and some like gnarly heat and humidity because we weren't actually having a lot of heat, uh, triple digits this year in Sacramento. Um, so I was trying to adjust and accommodate, you know, to, to mimic that as best as I could. So these, these races that I did and this training that I, um, employed from January to June, uh, were really to, you know, kind of um, platform off of what I learned in 2022 and knowing my body and what I wanted to accomplish. And of course, like I wanted to go faster and I knew that I could go faster, but I needed to get, you know, kind of reintroduce, you know, the speed work, the tempo work, you know, back into my body. So that was a really main thing that I did for 23, um, for like training per se. Um, and as, as well as, on these training efforts, working the nutrition. And, you know, you would think with 23 plus years of experience, like, um, you know, I have it figured out. Well, uh, I, in 2022, I learned I had nothing figured out. I thought I knew what I knew. And it, it really humbled me and showed me that I needed to go back to the drawing board. And especially in, you know, triple digit conditions and your body metabolically reacts completely differently. 
um, than it does when it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 degrees out. I needed to, you know, practice with different types of fuel and hydration and all, all things, you know, nutrition wise, um, to really get my body and my mind acclimated to what I needed to do, uh, in order to, you know, survive, but in order to really have a better overall experience. Um, yeah. So. There I am. I'm off mute. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, unbelievable. I mean, yeah, like you said, you think, you know, it, you, you quickly figure out, you, need to kind of reset, uh, everything. Um, and you know, one of the things that, uh, we definitely want to talk about because we have all of them here is, uh, just how much you have to rely on your crew members as well. I mean, this is like a unique event in the sense that it's, I don't know, I was almost thinking a little few minutes ago, like almost like a NASCAR event, <laughs> like, you know, you've got this, team of people and, you know, you stop and they are just attending to you and then they're getting you ready and rolling you off to the next, next time they, so I do want to uh, first like introduce all of them uh, as well. Um, you know, we have Brian, Chris, we have uh, Melissa, MJ here. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, kind of hear about like, you know, what it was for them and how they got involved. Um, and we have heard from, uh, from Brian so far. So I guess, uh, well, first of all, let's start with MJ, because I think you were kind of like a last minute addition to the team. Right. And, uh, so how did that all go down? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Angie Posey, who is amazing, who was on last year's crew came out down with bronchitis literally right before the race. Um, and so I got a call, um, on Sunday, um, uh, with Julie, Julie's very stoic. Um, not very often that you hear Julie in distress. She's a problem solver and, um, she was distressed because she could not run without a third person and not everybody can go to Badwater in 24 hours and run 40 miles and a hundred, I don't know, 18 degrees or whatever it was. And so she called and she said, we, she's, said, Hey, you know, bad water. And I said, okay, what does that mean? You know, when do we fly out? What does that mean? Like, when are we leaving? And I know bad water about as much as you guys do. It's a road race, 135 miles. Pam Reed won it like just the very high level overview. Right. I don't know the nitty gritty. Um, and so I hung up the phone and went and talked to Marcus and said, honey, um, I need to go to bad water. Um, and he said, okay, kudos to him. Thank you, Marcus. Um, and so I called Julie back. Um, she was out training, of course, and, uh, said, okay, I'm in. And so that was Saturday and we left Monday morning. So I had Sunday to prepare and get ready and wrap my brain around, um, how I could be helpful. And so the deep dive of bad water commenced. Wow. And now you all had to, you mentioned flying, but you also had to get a vehicle down there. Is that right? We had, uh, Julie, actually, Brian went in earlier. She's a, Julie, if you don't know anything about her, if you ever, never have ran a races, she is a logistical queen. She, <laughs> her attention to detail is no BS. And that goes to her orchestrating this. And so I really just had to plug in. I, she just told me where to show up and I had to bring my stuff. And she's got it dialed from hotel rooms to car rentals to Yetis. I mean, we checked we checked baggage. We checked Yetis. You have to have all the things. There's mm -hmm. nothing in Badwater that you, so think about that. There's nothing there. There's nothing there to buy anything. The only thing you can find there is ice, you know, I mean, and, and some snacks. I mean, you've got to logistically plan it all out. And so when you think about, okay, when you crew, how many times do you stop when you crew? How many times is it every five miles? Do they decide? I mean, I'm clueless, right? And there's no markers on Badwater's course. There's no mile markers that tell you you're at this mile, you're at that mile. There's a bad water program that comes with a two-page um, spread that talks about, okay, the 2000 elevation marker is mile 62.2. So they utilize different things that you see, and those are your markers. So I took a picture of those. If you're ever pacing or crewing, take a picture of that thing, have it in your phone. So when your runner argues with you and they think that they're a lot farther than they are, you can say no, because you'll question yourself because I just got recruited Saturday and maybe, maybe Queen Princess Every Mile is right. No, 
Okay. <laughs> and so we, and I'm, I'm telling you, we had so much fun. I can't even tell you. It was, I am, you think bad water is going to be hard, but you don't describe it as fun. And we, we just had a blast, laughed stories. It's hard and you got to be on your, on your game, but man, when you have a good crew and you've got a great runner, which we did, I can't even tell you it's fabulous. So picture of the program, figuring out where you are, um, really good app on your phone to look at stars, Chris O'Connor. Great. We looked at stars. Uh, it's so, I mean, just the, anyways, don't want to digress. But that's how I got involved, and um, and off we went. Fantastic, yeah. And so, Chris, you were there as well. Um, what was your role? Uh, well, you can wrap me out. This is okay. <laughs> Minister without portfolio. So I no, I I, um, I don't remember when she. Um, I, somewhere in, the, in or along the application, she said, "Can you crew?" And because uh, I've been following along. Uh, the 2022 run and we I was one of the uh, people that she did a kind of a post-mortem with after that race and I was thinking yeah you're gonna go back and um, I don't know I was paying enough attention to it and and asking her about it but eventually when the application uh, she was putting the application in she, she asked me if I'd do it and I was like yep I'll do it um, and it, it was just a lot of fun I mean we we um, uh we have a good rapport i hadn't met brian before but he's an easy guy to um get along with and and, and we all that way and mj and i know each other from way back so uh it was it was pretty smooth um imagine if you've got a, a one or more members of the crew that's uncomfortable it can it can go south pretty quickly but we were really as i just said we were really enjoying ourselves um julie was putting us through our faces because uh, she she needed help frequently, and that's where her nickname came from that she didn't know about. I don't know when she, she learned, but we call we were calling her princess every mile. Very loving, but, <laughs> very loving. But, um, but she, I, I was a really lovingly, nice. We, princess. we were. You were. Yeah. Well, and and um, uh, yeah, because we were we were stopping frequently for her and. and 135 uh, times. It was a, it was a good time. <laughs> 135 times. Yeah. There was a couple you, miles every mile right, until the end. It was every half mile. She doesn't know this. But I was lying to her a couple of times about how far we'd gone. Totally. <laughs> Cause well, I, I thought we'd, I thought we'd do better if we, we went mile and a half maybe. Uh, so, um, and um, just to let the uh, Brian and MJ catch a, a wink or two. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I, she knew I was lying to her, but she didn't really know I was lying to her. So I, <laughs> But because uh, we, you know, it was just, it, she was, she was, uh, that is a tough thing to do. I mean, Julie talks about being um, out of gas, having nothing left in the tank, being mentally broken. And, and I can, uh, there's nothing that distorts your thinking more than a, an ultra marathon, especially in the later miles. And so her self-perception uh, was, was one thing. And I mean, we were, trying to tell her from the start you're you're solid you're in very good shape you do not need to worry about anything right now so um if you need to uh uh stop for a longer break at the next one or something that you you've got the time um but when she is really kind of at her, at her low she's a lot stronger than she than than she reports herself um and i think the people around her know a little bit about what she's going through can attest to she's a very very mentally uh strong person she can dig down when there's nothing in your legs um you've got to run it in your head and she's got a pretty pretty uh solid piece of equipment there um because i, I don't know it's we, we were we were calling it drunk running she was she was doing that but boy um <laughs> Every once in a while, there'd be a moment I'd say, can we, can you, can you run to X or Y, you know, doing Bartlett's or something. And, and she just, I, I'm not going to be able to do that at 120 miles, but she did. She dug down and she was suddenly rolling along at 5K pace or what may have felt like 5K pace, but, but she's strong, strong runner. 
There was a um, section where Chris is pacing her. And so there was a reroute because of the um, flooding that bad waters experienced. And so it's the God forsaken, God forsaken middle of the night. Okay. Second night. It's Chris's turn to pace. Brian and I are in the car and you cannot tell how far the road is. It just goes on forever. There's no markers. There's no nothing. She swears she's at over a hundred miles. She's drunk running, sleep run, you know, all those things. And Brian and I are in the car and, and, and Chris comes running up ahead of her and he's, he's kind of drunk running too. Okay. And so he's like, Hey, um, do you, I think she needs to sleep for like 10 minutes. I'm like, she's not going to sleep. I know she needs to, but I know her. I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, we're crewing. We're having this conversation. We need to come together on like minds. And I'm like, she's not going to do it. I know her. And while we're having this conversation, she's come in and left. And you can see her and she's running down the road like a drum. It's hilarious. Like when I have this mental picture <laughs> of Chris in his hat going, she's got to sleep. She's not going to sleep there. There she goes drunk running down the road and then you have this young guy who's coming by in the middle of the night it's like witching hour and he's like you just gotta keep moving and we're like okay captain obvious thank you so much you know and he's going on and then julie jumps behind him and she's drafting and he's trying to tell her you know no it's okay you know da, 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 da. and she's in her mind going dude i got this and she ends up passing him leaves him in the dust for a long time but it's just these funny little things one more quick thing brian okay he is a he won't tell you he is a black hawk pilot okay he served our country and he is a pilot now very stoic dry you know flies an amazing very large um machinery he's the man okay when it comes to that he also is really good when it says soft shoulder at Badwater. <laughs> really means soft shoulder okay so if you lose your crew vehicle you lose your aid aid and I'm crew, I'm pacing right now. Chris and Brian are, are doing the thing. And she is go is Julie's running. We pull off, you pull up, you go a mile ahead, you pull off, and then you wait for her, right? So she's coming against the road. We're over here pulled off. Uh, really pulled off. I get out and look, and the tire in the sand looks like it's in the in snow, like this, like you can't see the tire. And and Brian's very stoic. I look over next to him, like, dude, we're stuck, and he's calm. <laughs> the inside, he is freaking the f out. I mean, freaking. <laughs> he's thinking out. I'm going to have to call the race director. Da, da, da. So I'm like, okay, well, I better go chase after Julie. I get as much water as I can. I'm running behind her, you know, bringing her her stuff, thinking. All we have are the two water I have, the water she has. She has no clue that they're behind us going, what do we do? Well, I'll let Chris say what, what he did, but I'll tell you from my perspective running with Julie, I'm running thinking we're screwed. What's going to happen? We're, I mean, we're, they're going to have to come tow them out. And I'm not kidding. Like Jesus, like the, the sky opened up. Our crew mobile comes driving right on by. And so they got it out. I literally, so Chris, how did you, and Brian, how'd you get the car out? Well, I, let, Chris, let me, let me just say something really nice about you. I was freaking out. I, I've seen vehicles like that in sand before uh and you make it worse by trying to you know pull out and that's what we're trying to do and chris comes out with this bravado with this confidence and he's like we're just gonna push it out and i don't know what it was but i bought it i'm like okay we're just gonna push it out so i go up to the next vehicle the uh they were they were they're waiting there for their runner i'm like hey can you help us push it push out and basically, it turned into, think of it like trying to get out of a, a snowbank. So you, you go forward, you push back. We have a crew in the back pushing. So Chris and then two other crew, crew members from the other team are pushing. And inside, I'm like, we just lost the race for Julie. Um, and by Chris's strength, everybody else, uh, they pushed us out. Also, um, I, I do have to chuckle because I'm looking in the rearview mirror as I'm spinning my tires, and I see Chris take just so much dirt <laughs> in his face. 
Chris, I think you're probably still cleaning dirt out from every orifice yeah. of your body. So yeah, yeah. for that, I'm, I'm very thankful for your confidence uh, and also this problem solving that day. And Julie didn't have a clue. <laughs> so, you have to be sunshines and rainbows. Yeah. Oh, nothing. We're fine. It, it, but, We're fine, Julie. You no. want a Pringle? <laughs> I, I actually knew nothing of this until I heard little remnants like after the race, but I didn't know the full Monty um, until literally like a week and a half, two weeks ago. So there was a million things going on behind the scenes um, that these um, that my team was, you know, doing and responsible for and taking care of without me knowing Um literally anything and so uh, you know i'm i'm so grateful because had they have had they had told me of course like i would have freaked the you know what out and and thought like the race is over duper doomed you know the whole nine yards so um you know it, it takes a village um in order to you know even want to think about signing up for the race and not let alone executing the race and and getting to the finish line it's just amazing I, I how just you all came to together. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I, I wanted to say that, um, I, I mean, not to take credit for, for uh, being the hero of the moment, but, but really it's just, I know the ultra community and we were in a, a, an ultra, a, a road race where there was a crew vehicle passing every two minutes. So it was only a matter of time before there were enough people uh, to help out. And that's what happened. Yeah, um, it's, it's 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 really amazing. Um, yeah, it is. The you know, but it's the ultra community. Everyone wants to help out. I I knew that would happen. Definitely, um, people. I mean, I think, and I, I was even thinking about this. Just you know, at TRT, like if you came across somebody in trouble, like your instinct is going to be render aid, right? Like you know, whatever I'm doing is not important. If there's somebody in trouble, they need help. Like that's the priority. And I think that just speaks like volumes to this community for sure. And you were obviously a beneficiary of that luckily. And it, and, and, and in this case, like I, it doesn't sound like it really affected the runner. So that's great. You can problem solve all that stuff behind the scenes, um, you know, figure everything out and then just keep moving forward with the assistance uh, of others. So, yeah, we're so always so grateful for everyone that participates and helps each other in these in these unbelievable events. Uh, I'm, I'm super glad to hear that all the crew issues, uh, last minute changes and all of that, and you all just sort of like gelled and synced up together. It, it sounds like it was just uh, just perfection you know so really glad to hear that that all worked out really well yeah and i think we're gonna do more crew stories in our post show but we've already reached an hour which seems crazy so anyone who wants to hang on donate to our patreon or our venmo you can hang on we are for sure answering some more questions like how do you organize all your crew stuff how do you decide when to stop all of those questions. And I think they have some more funny stories about Julie um, in the post show, but real quick, before we wrap up, we always do our rapid fire questions for our interviewee, but Julie, we already know everything about you. So we're going to ask Chris, Brian, and MJ, some quick rapid fire crew edition questions. Are you guys ready? I'll start with MJ. What is your must have crew item for bad water? Ooh, crew item. I would say a picture of that, the course that, that had the mile markers on it, because you can have everything else, but if you can't convince your runner where they are with assertion, um, yeah, assertiveness. So definitely, if you have a crew, take a picture of that two-page mile marker thing and put it in your phone so you're always ready to roll. What about you, Brian? I would say to, to build off of that, um, we were actually right in the mileage on MJ's arm. Uh, the other thing I would have would be a sat phone. Um, you know, I know we had people coming every now and then, but it's also nice to be able to connect to the outside world if you need to call somebody. And uh, we can share a story definitely within the post show where we need to use the sat phone for uh, our, our more high maintenance runner that we had. Oh, what about you, Chris? What's your must-have crew item for Badwater 135? Uh, flexible attitude. Mm. You gotta be, gotta be 
you got to be easy going about whatever because anything can happen so you got to be able to adapt to it and then chris any interest in running a future badwater 135 um yes and no um that's a yes i I was always (laughs) interested in it um my wife is probably going to watch this or listen to this at some point so i'm going to say definitively no so i can stay out of trouble yes future conversation might need to happen and then brian what about you a future bad one bad water 135 um that would that would be a a no uh i'm not i'm not an ultra runner um but i am running my first 50k this fall you will be an ultra um, runner this this has got really it sparked me to uh to get into this sport uh especially more trail running and um yeah so training right now for that that gave me chills i love that um mj any interest in a future badwater 135 that's a yes yeah that was the longest pause ever girl mj I cannot tell a lie. Um, I, it was just so much fun. I don't know. You know, um, I just, it's, I just, I was surprised at how fun it was. I bet it could be a real crapshoot if your crew and people around you sucked. Um, but um, we didn't suck. It was awesome. We're going to talk more about that in the post show. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, episode 103 is in two weeks with local supermom and trail runner Kenzie McPhail. Uh, join us in two weeks about that. Um, it's bound to be another awesome episode. As always, we are deeply thankful for you guys tuning in, for your donations, for your continued support to keep the lights on around here. Uh, make sure if this is the first time you're ever listening to us to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, um, on at the mile 99 interview or any of your streaming platforms. Thank you guys so much again, and we will see you on the trails. Bye everyone. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Chris, Brian, and MJ. Thank you very much. Thanks for having all of us.